And I'd like to welcome everybody uh, from our congregation. And we have guests from other churches. I want to say you are more than welcome. We're so happy you're joining us this evening. And uh, this, I started a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit almost two years ago, a little less than two years ago. And then um, we, got inter- we had this little interruption called covid and at the time we talked about, we're going to bring Alan and Eliezer, who operate in the gifts. Not only do they operate in the gifts, but they can impart and teach the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to every single Christian. And we believe that we want to see them exercised, and we need to be taught, and we need to be trained. The Bible says, stir up the gift that is within you. We've got to stir up the gifts. It's easy to let things slide a little bit. But I believe when the Holy Spirit's moving, we want to see nothing less than revival break out in London, Ontario. Amen? In all the churches. We also have the Will Graham event next month. That's going to be exciting. I want everybody to pray for this election too. This is really important, to pray that God puts his people. And uh, um, it's, it's important. But we are living in very... Interesting and strange times. But oh no, the Lord is in control. And so I want to thank all of you for coming this evening. And it's exciting. By the way, did you know that? You know, do you know how two prophets greet each other? You're fine, how am I? No, don't, just forget that. That was a poor attempt. So, uh, okay, we need Joel. To, we're going to have a... Our first priority is to worship, is to worship the Lord. Amen? So let's worship the Lord, and then I'll introduce our speakers, and we'll start the evening. Thank you so much for coming. Why don't you guys stand? Oh, hello. All right, well... I'm so glad to be here worshiping with you guys. Welcome. We are here to hear from the Lord, to learn more about what it means to spend time with Jesus, to follow his leading. And so we're going to worship him. So you guys ready to spend some time lifting our voices to the King of Kings because he is deserving of all our praise and all our glory. So Lord, we love you. We look to you, Father God. We thank you that you are in this place. God, we thank you that you are moving, that you are faithful, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. Let's sing, you are 
Promise you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Cause you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing, you are here. You are here. Touching every heart, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, mending every life, I worship I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. Oh, I worship you. Cause you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you sing even when even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working hallelujah never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working all right let's declare this even when Cause even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working you never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Hallelujah! You never stop working Let's sing, you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise Light 
even when, let's go. Cause even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, one more time. You are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, it's who you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, we sing it to you. God, we thank you that that is the truth of who you are, Jesus. That you are way maker, you are promise keeper, you are light in the darkness, hallelujah, Jesus. We stand boldly on those truths, Lord. God, when we forget, would you remind us of how good you are, Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you, Lord. We fix our eyes on you this night. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Joelle. Great to have you. Please be seated. Relax. This is going to be a wonderful evening. I'm expecting and I've been praying for impartation, that God will speak to you and touch you in the place that you're at. I just want to introduce briefly uh, Eliezer and Alan, Eliezer Mendoza and Alan Thorner, and they're wonderful men of God. They, in our stream of ministry, um, Eliezer is the apostle of our church and Alan is a prophet. In our movement, they're both wonderful men of God. You're going to really enjoy this evening. God be with you and uh, enjoy. Thank you. Come on up. Hallelujah. It's me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So good to see you. So blessed to be here again. Praise the Lord. God has uh, everything in control. And his times are the best times always. So I'm so glad to, to see you again and uh, half see you again, maybe. And um, bring greetings for my wife and uh, church in Dallas and other churches that are praying for us in this time, and well, so glad to have the opportunity to minister together with Alan and to share about uh, 
the wonderful God, the powerful God, the miracle worker God that we have. Amen? Hallelujah. So I think uh, we were, we're going to have a wonderful time here, and we're going to stir up the faith. Okay? Everything in, in God's Word is about faith. From the very beginning, God created the, the world in six days. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. You have to believe it. It's just faith. You, we can't explain it, but if the Word says it, we need to put faith in there. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about putting our faith in what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to move. So uh, I think I have a presentation. And um, Okay. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the... I'm going to be talking about the overall perspective of the Holy Spirit and the, uh, uh, the, the move of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Alan is going to talk about the specific gift of the Holy Spirit, how to identify it and how to move in it. So uh, we're going to have this uh, in two sessions, as you all know. And um, I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you. And we want to see our supernatural God to move among us in a very powerful way. So the overall perspective of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about uh, three areas, three parts of the um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking about the origin, the operation, and the outcome. So uh, we will see where the gifts of the Holy Spirit come, how to operate in them, and what is the outcome that we will expect when there is a real move of God, the real move of the Holy Spirit among us. So let's start with the origin. Where is the origin? Where do the gifts of the Holy Spirit come from? Well, they come from the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself is the one that is going to move with power in an anointing and moving through people, through believers, uh, showing his power. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the manifestations of his uh, person, the person of the Holy Spirit, and we will see him working very deeply and very strongly in our lives. We can truly say that the Holy Spirit is the source of these gifts. And we can see from the very beginning of their creation how the Holy Spirit of God moved hovering over the face of the earth. So I, I said uh, about the creation, right? God created everything in six days. How did that happen? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the earth, and then God spoke. And the first word that the Lord said, that God said, was, there, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit took that word, that's a word of faith, and made the light to happen. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things with, which are seen were not made 
of things which are visible. So the word of faith is the first gift, I would say, of the Holy Spirit that we see from the very creation. God spoke and things happened. That's the word of faith. When we go to the, through the list of the gifts of the Spirit, we will see the gift of faith, and we will see that the gift of faith operates through the word of faith. You know, Jesus made some healings using the word of faith, but the first example of the word of faith, we find it in Genesis chapter 1, where God said, let there be light, and the Spirit took that word and made it happen. In a supernatural way, in just an instant, we see the Holy Spirit moving. And it's, it's what Hebrews 11.3 says, that by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit is involved from the very beginning in the creation. It has always been, when you, when you read the Bible, you will always see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in anything that happened in a supernatural way, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many Old Testament saints experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And actually, every supernatural work that we read in the Bible has been made by the Holy Spirit. Every supernatural work that we read through the Bible, the uh, dividing of the Red Sea, the manna, the, all the miracles that we see in the Bible, it is the Holy Spirit behind those things make them happen. So when we are going to study about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to focus on the Holy Spirit himself because it is the Holy Spirit himself who is going to move through all of us, through you, through me, through people, so we can see the supernatural power of God uh, working in everything. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, Declare how God works. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God himself says, if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to produce something, if I'm going to work something, it is not by might, not by power, but by my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. So it is very interesting to see how the Holy Spirit is moving in a very powerful way. Uh, we will see also in the Old Testament, uh, the, the first, uh, one of the first outpourings of the Holy Spirit, in Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, and then... Um, is when Moses called the people and told the words of the Lord. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although, although they never did so again. So we, hear, we see here in the 70 elders that Moses called to help him oversee the people, advise the people, and help the people of God in Israel, that the Spirit came upon them. And he says that the Spirit was, that was in Moses was taken and was also put on the 70 elders. So it is the, not, not the Spirit of Moses. 
It is the Holy Spirit that was put on Moses that was put also in the elders. So here we need to find something that is really important. It is always the Holy Spirit that is going to enable you and anoint you to move in the supernatural things of God. When we talk about impartition, it's not that we are imparting something from us to you. When we talk about impartition, it is the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and we pray and we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to anoint you. There's nothing in us. There is nothing personal. There is no special quality or ability that we have to impart it to you. It is the Holy Spirit that is anointing us. The Holy Spirit has moved in us. The Holy Spirit has enabled us to do the work of God. And when we talk about importation, we are praying that the same Holy Spirit that came on us will be imparted to you. So you will go, you will receive directly from the source, the original source. You know, God doesn't like piracy. Piracy is, a, is wrong, right? Cop, copyright tries to control in the, in the natural. But the Holy Spirit, there is only one. And I cannot give you a copy of what I have because that's not right. God is going to give you a specific anointing, a specific way for you to move in the, in the move of the Holy Spirit, and you will receive from Him. So when we talk about or we pray for people to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is the same Holy Spirit that is going to come upon you. And uh, the elders and the time of Moses, they received that directly from the Holy Spirit that was anointing Moses. We see another example in Elijah and Elisha. We see how Elijah and Elisha had the power of the Holy Spirit <coughs> in their lives, and several of the gifts were active in them, like miracles, faith, healings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and prophecy. They, they are not named like that in the Old Testament because it's a revelation that Paul had and he explained it very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But the same power that moved in the prophets of the Old Testament in Elijah and Elisha are, is the power that came by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that they had and they did miracles. They did prophesy. The healing of uh, the leper of Nathan. Nathan, no. Um, the, the general of the Naaman, thank you, uh, was done by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that was moving there. The floating of the axe, uh, metal floating, it's a miracle. It's a gift of miracles by the Holy Spirit in the life of Lajan and Lasha. And all of, all, the, all of the things that we see that were supernatural, made by the, the prophets, specifically these two, are the first uh, examples that we see on how the Holy Spirit can move powerfully through the life of people that he has anointed. So the Holy Spirit anoints people and gives them the ability to perform something that is supernatural. Uh, judges and kings did many miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Saul, 
David, among many others, through which he performed miracles and prophetic utterances. So whatever you see uh, and you read in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit came upon these people, came upon these men, and then they were ready to see miracles happening in their lives. Uh, when you see the book of Judges, you see, uh, for example, Samson, and many pe people picture Samson like a huge uh, uh, muscle man, ready to defeat everybody. The Bible doesn't say that he was like that, but that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he could do many things that, naturally speaking, are impossible. So the Holy Spirit was moving and has been moving uh, from the Old Testament in all of these people, performing miracles to fulfill the purposes of God. And this I'm going to say very clearly. Gifts of the Holy Spirit are a tool, are an instrument, to fulfill the purpose of God. It's not to be just a show, okay? It's not for personal uh, profit. It's to fulfill purposes of God. So when God has purposes for this church, for the neighborhood, for the city, or for the nation, he will call people, he will anoint people, he will send people, and people will pray, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit will move to fulfill the purposes of God. In their lives. So all these people, the prophets, the judges, the kings, they all did these miracles because they were called by God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of God in their lives uh, was to be fulfilled. So we see their gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Bible itself and the birth of Jesus both came by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you have a Bible. Who inspired the Bible? The Holy Spirit, right? So you have communication by the Holy Spirit. When you read the Bible and you understand the Bible, the best teacher of all is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you what he wrote through men uh, through the ages. And... I would say the greatest miracle of all is the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in a virgin, in Mary, and that was an amazing miracle, the miracle of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who did that? The Bible clearly says in 2 Timothy 3.16, talks about the scripture is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, and Matthew 1.20 says that what was in Mary was... Uh, by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the person of God that is in charge of making miracles happen, supernatural things. Jesus, he started his ministry by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He went to the river when John the Baptist was baptizing, and then he approached to John the Baptist. John the Baptist wanted to resist but then finally, Jesus said, do it. Uh, John the Baptist did it. And then when he was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove and then rested upon Jesus Christ. And that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we call Jesus the Messiah, right? 
Why do we call him the Messiah? What does Messiah mean? Christ. What does that mean? Anointed. Anointed by whom? By the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit was the one that made Jesus the Messiah. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was being anointed. He was being the Christ because he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then he says that in, in Luke 4, uh, 17 through 21. I'm not... Uh, reading all of these verses. Uh, I think it would be too much if we go through all of that in detail because there's a lot to say. But you can read there in Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 21, that um, Jesus said, uh, the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel and to do all the other things, to set the captives free, to do to open the, the eyes of the blind and to do all the ministry. But Jesus himself is telling everybody publicly 2,000 years ago by the fulfilling of that scripture, that prophetic scripture upon himself that he was anointed by the Spirit of the Lord who made him the Christ, who made him the Messiah. And that power of the Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus is the one that enabled him to do the miracles. Sometimes people think that Jesus did miracles because he was the son of God. The Bible says that he left that ability of being God uh, back there and he came here to this world to be a man, just like you and me. And the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see performing all sorts of miracles uh, opening the eyes of the blind, making the, the dumb speak, the deaf hear, the, the lame walk, and resurrect the death. All of that was made by the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus Christ. He needed the baptism. He needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him so he can perform those miracles. And that's why he, when, whenever he uh, Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, he is encouraging the, the believers to receive that anointing upon their lives so they may walk in the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ and fulfill the Great Commission and go in the same steps. Jesus even said, the things that I do, you will also do, and greater you will do, because I go to the Father. And when Jesus went to the Father, what did, what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that anointed him now is anointing us, and we are called Christians. Why Christians? Well, because we are anointed, right? Christian means anointed, because it's the same root of Christ. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit to perform the work of the Lord and to advance the kingdom of God, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's, that's the, the key for us to understand the origin of the, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, before Jesus went to heaven... 
The Bible talks about him being the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus left this world and went to heaven, he had promised, I will send my Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist talked about the Lord Jesus Christ because he said, I didn't know who he was, but the one who sent me to baptize told me over him who you see the Holy Spirit coming, that's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the life of the believer. Is the Holy Spirit being sent by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, upon the life of the believer to enable him to move in the supernatural of God the same way he did. So if you're a son of God, if you're a daughter of God, Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then when you receive that uh, anointing or that baptism of the Holy Spirit upon your life, you are being enabled to live in the supernatural. Okay? So when we talk about the origin of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are talking about supernatural. We are talking about things that cannot be done in the natural. That has to come uh, from God, has to, be, have to be made by God, and then in that way we'll see that the power of God will move in our lives. That's the vision of God. God did not come, Jesus did not come to make another religion, to make another creed, uh, just to say it like that. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to this world. And the kingdom of God advances not by might, not by power, not by human reasoning, not by abundant speech, not by being more, smarter than the rest of the religions. The kingdom of God advances by the power of God. God didn't call his disciples and didn't train his disciples to argue God trained his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit tear down all of the other arguments. You know, when one of the examples of that is when uh, Philip the evangelist went and found Simon <coughs> the sorcerer in that Samaria and then that man had deceived the multitudes for many years. But when they saw the real power of God, through the miracles that was made by the preaching of Philip, and that was by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, people came out of the deceit, and they say, this is the real power of God. Even Simon, the sorcerer, the deceiver himself, said, I want that. I want the real thing. And, you know, Philip didn't have to argue with Simon who was right or who was wrong. When they saw the power of God, people were converted to God. And they saw miracles and many things happening. So the first disciples, all of them were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said to all his disciples, the 120 that remained there, but you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the world, or the end of the earth. So the fact that Jesus is sending his disciples 
to be witnesses of him into the whole world was because he was going to send the power of God, not the power of man, the power of God, the creator of the universe, on the lives of the disciples. So Jesus said, you will receive. Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, what happened? Well, the disciples were gathering together, and then the Pentecost came, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with one another, speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament uh, or in the church. This is the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit came upon all the disciples. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It says here, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They all, they all started to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's the beginning of the preaching of the gospel. Before this, they were not preaching the gospel. Before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were just gathered together. They were just praying. They were just waiting for the promise. But when the promise came, and we were singing a while ago, promise keeper. Jesus said that promise not only to them, but to us. And he says to all of us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Jesus keeps his promises. And Jesus wants to fill all of us with the Holy Spirit. And we find out that the Holy Spirit not only came one time upon the disciples, but the Holy Spirit was filling them up time after time. So God wants us to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> since speaking tongues is, is the first sign of having received the, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk a little bit on, on the speaking in tongues because this is very, very, very important uh, in this uh, releasing ourselves into the supernatural God. Speaking in tongues is an ability the Holy Spirit gives us but it is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This speaking in tongues is the sign that God gave to those who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is like when you are baptized in water, well, you get wet, right? When you go into the water, you come out wet. When you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the sign is that you begin to speak in tongues. And that's very important for all of us because speaking in tongues is not natural. Speaking in tongues is this Holy Spirit giving you an ability to worship God, to pray to God, to honor God in another tongue. This sign of speaking in tongues is not for men. It's not for you, it's not for anybody. It's to, to communicate to God and to worship God. When the, the witnesses saw that the disciples had received the Holy Spirit, they, they saw that they were speaking, uh, they heard that they were, they were speaking many different tongues from different parts of the world, but what they were doing, the disciples that received the Holy Spirit, the, the first baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were glorifying God. They were not speaking to men, 
because these tongues, this as a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are to talk to God, to worship God, to pray to God. Are this speaking in tongues is directed only to God. Okay, so this is very important for us to know. Another way, another way to understand this sign of speaking in tongues is when you have a full battery. There is a green light that goes on, and the green light tells you that your battery is full of power. The light in itself is wonderful because when you see the green light, say, oh, full of power. But the main thing is the power that the battery has within so you can do things with your car or a phone or whatever, okay? So the, the, the speaking in tongues is the sign, but the important thing is the power that is inside. When you begin to speak in tongues, it is telling you, you have power inside of you. There is power to perform miracles. There is power to, to speak words of faith, creative words of faith, and to heal and to prophesy and to do all of the other things because the tongues are the sign, the green light that says, yes, you have the power. So we should not focus too much in what tongues I speak, how many times I speak, or how, how much I can speak, but when we speak, whether it be much or little, or many tongues or a few tongues, there, it is telling you, you have power inside. You have the power of God inside of you. So you can use it with confidence because it is in there. The, the tongues themselves help you to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again, but it is not the gift of tongues mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. This is a spiritual ability to communicate to God our, our prayers and worship. So the more we talk to God in the Spirit, the more our soul will be filled with the Holy Spirit who is the one behind the speaking in tongues. So what I want to say here is that when you speak in tongues, it's like you are recharging. Because when you speak in tongues, it's to pray to who? To God. So when you have your time in, with God, uh, you know, you go into your room, you go into your, your special place, your living room, wherever you, you are, and you begin to talk to God. And you can talk to Him in your language, but you can also talk to Him in tongues. And that spiritual communication is communicating in the Spirit. Jesus said, those who worship God should worship in Spirit and in truth, because God is Spirit. And the tongues are the key or the first step to entry, to entrance into the supernatural. That's why tongues are not something that I can produce with my mind. Tongues are something that the Holy Spirit produced within me to communicate with God. I don't speak in tongues just to speak in tongues. I don't speak in tongues just to, you know, go through the time. I speak in tongues to talk to God. And you have to focus every time you want to speak in tongues, in the Spirit, to focus on God, to worship Him or to pray to Him. So, Paul spoke in tongues. He said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. 
So Paul was someone that was always full of the Holy Spirit because he kept speaking in tongues. So speaking in tongues is kind of the times of preparation between you and God where you are spending time in the presence of God, worshiping him, praying to him, and communicating with him. He will talk to you. He will speak to you. You will feel his presence. You will be uh, anointed by him, and then you will be ready to show the power of God. So after you pray, after you worship, you are full with the Holy Spirit. You, are, you have the power inside. Then you go out, and miracles and supernatural things of God will happen. Okay? So we need to make a clear distinction between what is the baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit that enables us to speak in tongues, and what are the gifts of the Spirit, which are the anointing of God to perform miracles for the benefit for the blessing of others. So, when we read about the church in in the first uh, in the in the New Testament, the book of Acts and and things that happen in in, in the Gospels, we know we, we learned that the church grew because of the power of the Holy Spirit. From there on, all the supernatural works that we see in the New Testament were done because the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Denying the supernatural, the supernatural is assuming that the Holy Spirit is retired. So is the Holy Spirit still alive? Is the Holy Spirit still working? He's not retired, right? He's working. He's present. He wants to do miracles here today. So, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is alive? By the power. By supernatural power. There are so many people that deny that the, the tongues and the supernatural and the miracles and the fivefold ministry is over, is not uh, here anymore. That will kill one of the three, the Holy Spirit. If you do not accept in your life that there is supernatural, that there are things that go beyond of what man can do, it is because you are not believing in the Holy Spirit. Because if you believe in the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit has always moved is through supernatural things, through the power of God. That's the way we know it is the Holy Spirit. Paul said it. I don't want your faith to be edified upon words of man, but in the power of the Spirit. So we need to, to realize that. So our vision is to continue to do the work that the Lord Jesus himself commissioned us to do by the same power of the Holy Spirit that anointed him to do the things that he did. Okay, so it, it is a continuation. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And if Jesus said that we will do miracles, and if Jesus said that we will receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that if Jesus promised all these things for us to do, his words remain even until today. So we need to, to be awakened and we need to stir up our faith to believe what 
has always been the truth. You know, always. There have been times of silence in the people of Israel or in the church. But every time there is a revival, there, when there is a, a new wave of God, it's through people that receive fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then they begin to move in that power of God. So this is the origin. Where do the gifts of the Spirit come from? From the Holy Spirit. Okay? And only from Him. Let's go a little bit more on part number two, the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These that I'm going to share with you are the guidelines on how to move in these gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are the basic requirements to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit comes when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and are willing to let Him flow through us. Both men and women are called to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to move in the Holy Spirit, good. If you don't want to move in the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. You're going to miss it. Nobody is going to force you. But one of the requirements to move in the Holy Spirit is that you say yes to the Lord. If you say, yes, Lord, I want to move, you, are, you have one of the basic requirements because God is not going to force you into that at all. He wants your willingness to move in that. The two basic requirements to have in our personal life to begin operating in the Holy Spirit is, number one, be an authentic Christian. This means that the experience of being born again is legitimate. So if you are a born again believer, check. You are qualified. Second thing, having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus put a lot of emphasis into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all through the Bible, we find that the, whole, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an additional experience that the believers should take in their lives to move in the power of God because it depends on your thirst of moving in the supernatural. So everyone that wants to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what does he have to do? Ask for it. That's it. If you are thirsty to see the power of God in your life, if you want to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, the only thing you need to do is ask for it. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need to be uh, filled, anointed by the Holy Spirit. I want to do the work of God, not by my own strength, not my own, by my own abilities. I want to do it by your power, and I need the Holy Spirit, so Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And you cry, because Jesus said, everyone who is thirsty, come. And rivers of living water will flow through him or her. Because he said that about the Holy Spirit that those who believe in him will receive. Because the Holy Spirit had not come yet at that time. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. But when Jesus is now glorified. So if you are thirsty of God, if you want to see miracles, if you want to be used by God in the supernatural way, just ask for it. When you are a true believer, true born-again believer, and you ask for the power of God in your life, God is going to give it to you.
and you will see the power of God moving in your life. So when you fulfill these two things, these two requirements, you can operate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So simple, right? I think we, you all here are qualified, right? I, I, I felt the excitement of, the, all, of, of all of you, of you as you were entering and you were waiting outside to be allowed to come in here. I feel that there is that thirst. I feel like all of you want to see the power of God moving in your life. So, praise the Lord. We're qualified. So, one of the, the first things that we do when we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. How do we operate in gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, And no one can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it is not about us. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to exalt Jesus as Lord. This means that we are to be humble and obedient to the testimony of the Holy Spirit inside of us to let him do whatever he wants. So every time we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it be prophecy or uh, discernment of spirits or faith or miracles or healings, we are telling to everybody, Jesus is the Lord. And this is wonderful. This is something amazing because when Paul is starting to, to teach the people about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he says, no one can call Jesus the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when he was going to develop the things of the Holy Spirit, he said, when you move in the Holy Spirit, you are proclaiming Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to us so we can proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. He rules and reigns even over the natural things. He can change the natural laws and, into, and make supernatural things because he is the Lord. So it is not about the gift, it is not about us, it is not for us to be seen, it is to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. So when you want to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you already are a good Christian, you are already filled with the Holy Spirit, well, what's next? You need to accept Christ's Lordship in your life. So when the Holy Spirit tells you, go prophesy. If Jesus is your Lord, go do it. Right? It's not about you. The Lord told you to do it. It's going to be good. If Jesus tells you by the Holy Spirit, go pray for that sick person. Oh God, if he dies, what am I going to do? Just obey the Lord. God, the Holy Spirit is going to work in you a testimony to do things. But if you are not accepting the Lordship of Christ in your life, you will say, no, Lord. But we, we want people, believers, that will say, yes, Lord. I want to do it, and I want to move, and I want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, because every time miracles happen, every time people are healed, every time prophecy comes and discerns the, the thoughts of the heart, Jesus is glorified. People will acknowledge that the Lord 
is in this place. People will realize how powerful our Lord Jesus is. Another thing that we need to learn to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that it's not us who choose, but it is the Holy Spirit who chooses. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, but there are But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So it is the decision of the Holy Spirit what gift you are going to have. Maybe you say, I feel more comfortable if I just uh, pray for sick. Well, good. It's just a suggestion, but I am not sure that the Lord is going to grant that to you. You just have to be willing to receive whatever gift the Holy Spirit wants to give you, because God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. And the gift that He is going to give you matches with the plan of God for your life. You may not understand it, but if you are obedient and you let the Holy Spirit flow through you and move through you, you will find out, yeah, He was, he was the right one. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that uh, I see very much in my life is the word of wisdom. And when I was young and I was strong, I wanted to have the miracles. God, I want to make miracles. I want every time I pray for people to see miracles happening. God said, no, I'm going to give you words of wisdom. Oh God, that's for all people. <laughs> But as he said, I'm going to give you words of wisdom. And sometimes when I ask things, uh, you know, uh, conflicts in marriage, conflicts in people, conflicts in churches, uh, I, many times I don't know the answer, and I just pray a little bit in tongues, I just pray a little bit, and then suddenly I begin to speak, and I am shocked. Oh, wonderful solution. Glory to God. I didn't know that, but it came. I said that. It works. Praise God. It's a word of wisdom. So God will give you, the Holy Spirit will choose what gift to give to you to use you in the purpose that God has for your life. So it is the Holy Spirit who determines what uh, we will receive and we just need to submit to him and move according to the testimony he gives to us. Most Christians operate in the same gift all the time. But some, depending on God's purposes or circumstances and places, can uh, operate in different gifts at different times. Uh, one of the experiences that I have is when I am in my church, I don't operate very much in the world of knowledge. But when I come here or when I travel to other churches in the world, I see that gift of word of knowledge working really, really well. And God gives me some revelations of the people, what they're doing, and I tell them, God uh, shows you this, and people say, wow. But uh, I think it is because of a specific purpose that God has for that specific time and circumstances and places where I go. So we just need to let the Holy Spirit move, you know? One of the things that uh, I found very, very important in my life is that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you, you need to move uh, in humility. Because if, if you are not humble, 
you will block the move of the Holy Spirit because you will be thinking, what if? And when you start thinking what if, it's because you are not humble. What if shows I'm not going to be making the ridicule. I'm not going to be just pointed out as, wow, you see, didn't happen. Well, it is not about me. It is just the Holy Spirit flowing through me, and I will just let the Holy Spirit work in my life and do whatever he wants to do through me, and let all the glory go to him. Amen? Okay, I think I'm going to stop here. Uh, tomorrow I'll continue with the rest of the how to operate and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the outcome. But uh, I think we need to hear Alan, right? Thank you very much. By the way, the, uh, Eliezer flew in from Dallas and Alan I picked up at the airport at 3 o'clock this afternoon flying in from K Kentucky. So uh, it's a big thanks. They've really made an effort and a sacrifice to come. So I really want to say a public thanks to both of you for doing that. <laughs> Don't worry, there's no commercial coming. Uh, but how about we stand up just for a minute? I think it'd be good just to thank you. That was an excellent teaching. Just shake out the, you know, the little ants and... Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful teaching. We want to move in the power, anointing, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit tonight, and we give you thanks. Anoint Alan as he comes up, and we pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and, Lord, it's about you, Jesus. We want the vision to be about Jesus, Lord, and we want the gifts not for us, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a big thanks to Alan Thorner. Hello. Oh, yes. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's open up our Bibles to a scripture that we've been in for a little bit, but I want to read it because I think it's important for us. But look, let, let's stand again, and I want to just pray. I'm going to stretch your, shake your knees out a little bit, get the circulation. I'm a doctor. You got to get that circulation going. It's a hallelujah. Lift up your hands, get the circulation going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Lord, we just thank you right now. I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes to see our hearts to receive what you want to speak to us, Lord, and let it take root into our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, we want to see you move in our lives. And we want the glory of God to go forth through us to a world that has no hope. And so, Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, to, to begin to work in our lives and open us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to step out in faith, believing that you will do it. And it's not us doing it, but it's you doing it. So we thank you for that right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can be seated. 
Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. These are scriptures that Eliezer is going through. I want to read this to you. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. Jesus is in the center of everything. God is in the center of everything. And there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want you to remember that these gifts are not for anything else but for the common good of the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. So it's, it's for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of these tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many aspects. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. I could talk about the Holy Spirit for days and days and, and still keep talking. But there, the Holy Spirit brings forth his fruit, and so there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against those things there is no law. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And at the same way, these gifts come and flow from the Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what I like to do when I teach is to group these into specific groups to help you understand these giftings. The first three gifts I call the revelation gifts, okay? And the second three are what I call, and again, this is not scripture, but this is just groupings that I use to help teach. They're, I call them the power gifts. And the last three are the exhortational encouragement gifts. And we're going to go through these gifts to help understand what they are. Okay, what are they for? They're for the common good. We just read that. For the common good. It's not for your benefit, although we get, I get blessed when I move in the gifts. I'm like all excited. God's using me. But it's not me. It's not for my benefit. Oh, the benefit that comes is that I get more faith as I see God moving. But the benefit is for the body of Christ. It's to build up the body of Christ to build up the body, to confirm God's word and presence and to work his will through us. I want you to understand that as we go through these gifts. It's that it's, it's, it's a building up. It's building up the body of Christ. It's confirming God's word and presence and also to work his will through us. It's his will, not my will. There's lots of things I want to see happen, but they don't happen. I want his will to be done, as Jesus even said, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus said so many times, he went off into the wilderness and prayed by himself to get the, the direction from the Father, and he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. 
And so our heart's desire should be that I will only do what God wants me to do. I will only do what the Spirit is leading me to do. But then when he's leading you to do it, you need to do it. You do not be in fear. It's not your responsibility, as Eliezer said. It's not your responsibility. That's God's responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. You know, I, I, I used to, I'm in medicine, so I know all about healing and all that kind of stuff. And, and I used to say, why are these people dying? I pray for them, and why are they dying? And one time I asked Brother Robert about that. I said, I prayed for this guy. He got saved, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was dancing around his, his, his uh, bed in the hospital. He had them foaming. He had fluid in his lungs, but he was dancing around. I gave him a little pocket Bible that was this it was a brand new one. I gave it to him. And before he passed away, that Bible was this thing swelled from all the times he'd gone through the pages. And I said, yes, Lord, you're going to heal him. I mean, I had faith for healing. For, and he didn't get healed. And I questioned that. I asked Robert about it. And I was angry when he passed away. And I was invited to the funeral. And my own pride, and that's something we have to deal with all the time. I refused to go because I was angry with God because he didn't heal this guy. But at his funeral, there were hundreds of people who got saved. He was a biker, and he was, you know, lived on the wild side. His girlfriend got saved. He got saved. And then he went to this funeral, and it was on, on, on a church all the way out in Long Island when I was living out in Long Island. And they told me that hundreds of people received the Lord. Okay. Praise God. But I was not there. Because my pride got in the way. And Robert said, who are you to decide who gets healed and who doesn't? You just be faithful to what God wants you to do. Amen. And that touched me. Because I always trying to figure it out. Because that's what you do in medicine. You figure it out. You know, we're doing that right now with COVID, right? We're figuring it out. Of course, we're not figuring out anything. Because we don't know anything about the virus. And just so we think we know it, it changes on us. Yeah, God does that with us too sometimes, right? All of a sudden, we think it's, we got it all mapped out, and then God says, nope, nope, this way. And so you have to be open to the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 6 talked about, it's the same Holy Spirit is working each one of these gifts. It's not something different for each one. It's the same Holy Spirit just working a portion through you to minister to the body of Christ. Whether it be to the hand or it be to the foot, to a cell, it makes no difference. And there are a variety of ministries, but the same, it's the same Lord. There are, you know, there, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons for his glory. So what, is, what does this really mean? It means God is doing all the work and it is not you. You are just a vessel. You are just saying, okay, Lord, use me. I used to say, well, I'm a doctor, so God wants to use me in healing. And he has. But that's not my main gift. You know, you know, I mean, my first, I actually prophesied for the very first time when I was just maybe about six months in the Lord. And I was sweating, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't want to do it. I was shaking like this. And I, I said something that was not profound. It was just a simple thing that was scripture. 
But I said it, and the people that I was around who heard it, oh, wow, praise the Lord, that was wonderful, that was awesome. And all of a sudden, it was like the fear went away. And so again, the idea being is we need to not worry about what we're doing as, you know, in terms of how it affects us, but we just be faithful to what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. It means that you are doing God's work, and you are just a vessel. I want you to remember that. You are just a vessel. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 said, he distributes the gifts just as he wills. Okay. There is God's plan, and we are just willing vessels along for the ride. That's what I like to say. I'm driving in the car with Harvey from the airport. I was along for the ride. I wasn't driving. I wasn't push, pushing my foot in there, but I was sitting there, and we were just having a nice car. I was just enjoying having a cup of coffee and just enjoying the ride because I was afraid I was going to fall asleep all the way. <laughs> but the idea being is that we are along for the ride. So you're saying, Lord, here I am, use me. And he says, okay, I want to use you. You say, I'm just along for the ride. I just get to enjoy the ride and watch him do all the work. Again, that's the thing. He's doing the work, not you. All you are is a willing vessel for him to flow out of. The gifts are used through believers only to the extent of their faith. Whatever measure of faith you have, that's how you will be used. You say, well, I don't have enough faith to move in, in the gifts of miracles. Well, what faith do you have? Whatever faith you have, step out in that faith and believe that God is going to use you. You know, faith is a seed. It's talked about as being a seed. If you have faith as a mustard seed, which is a tiny seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it would be moved. So the idea being is we need to have faith, and whatever level of faith you're at, step out in it. Don't, you don't have, you know, everybody thinks I have to be the super person in faith. Those super people in faith were just like you, except they just allowed God to use them and they were able to see God moving and so their faith increased and their faith increased. Just as the disciples saw Jesus moving and their faith increased and their faith increased. And then when finally it was time for them to minister and Jesus wasn't there, they were able to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let God cause your faith to increase, but don't limit yourself because you say, I don't have enough faith. Just step out in the faith you do have. He distributes the gifts just as he wills. And you need to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, knowing that it's the anointing, as Eliezer said, from the Holy Spirit. It's his anointing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, for the common good, for the common good. And he wants to do these things for what purpose? For what purpose? To build us up, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, is I tell you, I sometimes wonder and say, why are you using me, Lord? What, what, what are you doing in my life? Why, why should I be moving in the gifts? You know what his answer is? It's me, not you. You're nothing. Oh, I don't want to hear that. He said, well, you're everything in me, but it's not you doing it, it's me. You know, 
If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. He who is first will be last, and he who is last will be first. I think we need to get that mentality to be able to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, requires faith and willingness to respond to God. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit, like Eliezer said. The gifts will never contradict. I'm going to say this because this is important. The gifts will never contradict the word of God. So you need to know the word of God and have it in your life. You know, many times we just play hit and miss, but God is saying, don't play hit and miss. You need to be filled with the word of God. You need to be reading the word of God. You need to be studying the word of God. It's not enough just to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need to know what's God because sometimes people want things and it's not God. So you need to know the word of God and have it functioning in your life. There is order and balance in the spirit, but the flesh, is there's disorder. So there needs to be a balance. You know, and people have asked me, I actually passed through, I'm saying, you need, we need to allow the flow of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they say, oh, the people do all kinds of crazy things. I said, well, you train them. That's part of it, you train them. You step out and you let the gifts flow and then you gently correct. And sometimes, you know, I, I share this scripture a lot, where the manger is empty, it's, it's, the proverb says this, it's nice and white and clean and beautiful and whitewashed, but there's no life going on. When a manger is full, what happens? You have some poop you have to shovel. <laughs> and that's a, you know, oh, what pastors don't like, we don't like shoveling. That's a, but he said, if you want life, you're going to have to shovel. I'm going to say that again, if you want life, you're going to have to do some shoveling. But life is going on. And guess where our Lord and Savior was born? He was born in, in the life manger where there was life going on. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't anything like that. But he was born where life was going on. So you need, since there needs to be order and balance, you need to learn, you know, it's important to learn to, to walk in the Spirit See, it's, you know, we, we talk about, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in Him. He wants you to be led by Him. And so when we move in the gifts, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul, he wanted to go, he wanted to, go to Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, don't. How did he know the Holy Spirit was saying don't? But he was in the presence of God. He was being led by the Spirit. And so he went somewhere else, and then there's this, he, you know, he had a vision of something calling for him to come, and he came, and then things happened, and he cast out a spirit, and the people got mad, and he ended up in jail. Oh, I missed the Spirit of God. No, he didn't say that because he was in relationship, and he knew exactly where he was supposed to be. He's in jail. What is he doing? Praising God. Hallelujah. Why? Because he knew he was in the presence of God. He was resting in the Lord after he was beaten and thrown in a smelly, mildew dungeon with a bunch of criminals. He's worshiping God. God unlocks the doors. The, 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 I'm sure the, the guys in the jail were all getting saved, and the jailer gets saved, and God started the church. So you've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.29 says, The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So you must learn to move in the gifts by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. Don't be led by your own desires, 
Be led by the Spirit. And sometimes that's hard. I mean, I've been in medicine. I don't like seeing anybody sick. I don't like seeing anybody die. But, you know, with that gentleman I was telling you about, I was, I was moving in the flesh because I wanted to see him healed. That was what I wanted. I just needed to pray for him and let God do the rest. Another patient that had cancer, because I, I did a fellowship in cancer, another patient who had cancer, and this patient had um, esophageal cancer, and he was dying. And I said, Lord, can't you heal this man? He's so sweet. He's so gentle. Can't you heal him? He wasn't saved. And so I went into the room, and I led him to the Lord. Well, he could barely breathe. He was like, you know, and his wife was there with him. He, I said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? Yes. So he asked the Lord in his life, and then God touched him, and he broke out in a big smile. And I said, oh, this guy's going to get healed. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Came back the next day, he had died. But the wife sent a letter to the administration saying she was so thankful that this doctor prayed for her husband, and he got saved, and she knew where he was going to be forever. Okay. Why am I saying all of this? Because it's important to move in the, in, the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and not by the flesh, not by yourself, not by your own personal desires. Yes, I desire that all, God desires that all should be saved and all should come to repentance. He's long suffering. He waits and waits. He waited for my uncle till he was 96 years old before he got saved. He's long suffering, desiring that none should perish. And so my desire is that everybody get healed, but I know that's not going to happen. But I stand in faith every time and believe and say, it's in your hands now. I don't try to control the situation. I just let him do it. Okay, so again, the idea being is be led by the Holy Spirit. You can move in different gifts at different times, as Eliezer had said. So you, you need to be very in tune with the Holy Spirit and be submitted to him. I have moved in... in, in almost all of the gifts at one time or another. When I'm in the States, I hardly ever move in the gifts of healing. But when I'm out overseas, I'm in, I'm in South Africa or I'm in, I'm in uh, India or, or wherever it may be, you know, and, you know, wherever I've been, Romania, people get healed. It was down the Amazon River and people getting healed all the time at a medical clinic, but people still were getting healed and it had nothing to do with the medical stuff. And they were getting saved too. But the idea being is, is that you have to be open and would just let the Lord flow through you in the gifts. Again, being submitted to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's go through some of the gifts. We're going to go through the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts are divine disclosure of something or information related to the need of the moment. That's how I define it. They are gifts that give divine disclosure of something or information related to the need of the moment. They reveal information that God wants us to know and can show us how to deal with them. That's, those are the revelation gifts. And again, it's important to know those gifts because God wants to reveal his heart. God wants to reveal his plan. And so we need to understand these gifts and allow him to move in our lives with them. Again, 
You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be in relationship. Everything that Eliezer said. But this is, we're going to start first. I'll give the gift of wisdom. This gift can work, this work, works together, can work together with the gift of knowledge. As we will need wisdom to deal with the information. Because we should not use natural wisdom when God gives us information. But we need to have spiritual wisdom. Okay, so the gift reveals how to use his knowledge to give glory to his name. How to use his knowledge to give glory to his name. It is good judgment that comes only from God. I will say that again. It is good judgment that comes only from God, not you. It's not your wisdom, it's his wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 to 13. Wisdom, and this is the definition of wisdom, is the mysteries of God revealed to us by the Holy Spirit that the world cannot understand. Eliezer was talking about, he was ministering some people, marriage or whatever, whatever it was, and he was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then God prayed in the Spirit. I did that a lot. I pray in tongues in myself because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do. It's like, why don't you ask me that question? <laughs> I can imagine Jesus, because we'll talk about you know, wisdom again. You know, but the idea being is, is, that, is that the mysteries are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit that the world cannot understand. That's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 13.2, referring to the gifts, if I know all mysteries, if I know all mysteries, that is the wisdom of God. The, mis- the wisdom of God are the mysteries of God. God reveals them to us. And in Luke 21, okay, verses 14 to 15, Jesus said he would give us wisdom that no one could refute or resist. That's the kind of wisdom I want, but that's not my wisdom. My wisdom would probably get you in trouble. <laughs> but that's the wisdom of God. And so again, we need, to, we need to understand that. Okay, let's talk about some examples. Okay, I love this example. We're not going to read the examples through because it'll take a lot of time. But the first example I'm going to give is John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11. This is Jesus and the adulterous woman. Now, remember the story, you know, the Pharisees figured, oh, we're going to get Jesus today. <laughs> you know, we're smart. <laughs> we're the wisdom of Israel right now, and we're going to get this guy because he's a fake, and he's a false messiah. So they see this, this woman is, is accused of adultery, and Jesus is there. So they said, Master, what should we do? This woman has been caught in adultery, and she needs to be stoned. And he didn't really say much of anything. He just was scribbling on the ground. I don't know what he was writing, but he was doing something on the ground. And they said, Master, what should we do? They figured, we got this guy. No matter what he says, it's going to be wrong. So Jesus says, okay. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Talk about the wisdom of God. And so what happens? Well, the oldest to the youngest leads, because the oldest had sin, more sin than the others, and progressed down the line to the least, and they were all gone. Now, Jesus never said she shouldn't be stoned. Notice what he said. He He didn't contradict the law. He didn't say, no, she shouldn't be stoned. Don't stone her, because they figured they had it. But no, he didn't say that. 
And what he answered her was, was not that, okay. He said to her, listen, where did your accusers go? They're all gone. Well, now there's no accusation, so she doesn't have to be still. So then he says, now, go and sin no more. And many times that's what he says to us. We deserve penalty for the things that we do. But he says, go and sin no more. Talk about wisdom. That is the gift of wisdom moving. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 to 28. Again, you can turn to that at a later time. But that's the, the Solomon. You know, Solomon, you know, you know, God said, give me some, you know, whatever you want, I'll give you. And he didn't ask for money, although he got it. And it was his, to his demise. <laughs> But he said, no, he said, well, I'm going to give you wisdom and money. And so we see the, Solomon's wisdom becomes evident when they talk, when this, this woman, these two women have, have babies, and of course they slept with their babies. A woman rolled over on her baby and suffocated the baby. And she took her baby, the other woman's baby, and gave her the other one, and there was a dispute over them, and and, you know, they said, well, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. I can't imagine what a judge would do today on that, okay? And so Solomon has the wisdom of God. There was the Holy Spirit moving in the gift of wisdom in Solomon's life at that particular moment. And so Solomon said, hmm, okay, you both say it's your baby. I'm going to cut the baby in half, and you can have this half, and you can have this half. Well, you can just imagine. They say, okay, what does that mean, you know? So the other woman said, well, she, it's not her baby. She doesn't care. And they're busy arguing over it. So she says, okay. The other woman says, well, give it to the other woman. I don't want the baby to die. And Solomon says, give the baby to her. It's her, it's her baby. That is the way. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. I'm going to give you another example of how God works in wisdom. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 34. This is Paul in Athens. And Paul is looking around at all the idols. And he looks around and sees an idol and it's to the unknown God. Well, God used, gave him wisdom to use that as a tool to minister to the Greeks. And he says, oh, you guys worship this unknown God? I'll tell you who he is. And then he tells them who the unknown God is. That is wisdom that comes from God. And so we need to be moving in that gift of wisdom because with that gift of wisdom comes ministry to the body of Christ. And we build up the body of Christ and we encourage them and help them in their lives. So you need to say, Lord, I'm willing to be used in the gift of wisdom. Okay, word of knowledge. That operates in the mind of the person, okay? And I've moved in this gift quite a bit, um, and I've had actually visually see a word. I've done that before. When I've done a presbytery, I've actually seen a word. I've, seen a, I've had a vision or a word picture, okay? Or a word that the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and just says one particular thing. There are times when, you know, I, I've... I've been on the mission field, even our own church. The Lord just spoke to me and said, there are people here, you know, I didn't want to do it because <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. 
you know, but I, no, just submit to the Holy Spirit. And so I, I just said, well, there, there's, there's some people here that have kidney failure that the Lord wants to heal you. And I was like, oh, gosh, nobody's going to get up. And, I, and even if they get up, nobody's going to, they're not going to get healed. I'm thinking that in my head because I don't want to look like a dummy. And, and then the Lord started speaking to me and said, no, I'm speaking to you and the rest is my business. Just step out and do what I told you to do. So I've done that. I've done that several times in different ways. And so again, the Lord, you know, and the Lord, the Lord healed. Sometimes I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened, you know, but the idea being I stepped out and just did what the Lord asked me to do. Um, there are times when I've been praying for people and the Lord gives me a vision about something and I share, them, share with the people that vision and, and it, it touches them. All of a sudden they, they said, yes, that's happening in my life. And so it confirms to me that I'm moving in the Holy Spirit because of myself, I could never do that. And at the same time, it builds them up as well too. So it's a mutual thing. I'm encouraged and I have more faith so that I'm not afraid to step out more and more because I see God doing what he's doing. And at the same time, it's blessing the people around me. Okay, word of knowledge, it gives information that is needed for the moment or the situation. A word of information, it's information that is needed for the moment and situation. It sometimes is mistaken as prophecy. And again, that's something to understand is that many times people mistake word of knowledge, word of wisdom as prophecy. That's not. Prophecy speaks something into someone, encourages and builds up and edifies. And we'll talk about that in the other gifts. But this is a gift that basically just gives information to be used however God wants it to be used. And your part is just to move in that gift. Hallelujah. Okay. Examples of word of knowledge. 1 John 4, 15 to 30. Actually, not 1 John, just John. John 4, 15 to 30. This is the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus had a word of knowledge for her about how many husbands she had. <laughs> she said, I don't have a husband. She says, you're right. You don't have a husband now, but you've had many husbands. And, all, and just that alone touched her heart. And change the whole city. We were talking about that in the car today. Change the whole city. Just one word of knowledge. Touched that woman's heart. She went back, this guy knows everything about my life. And then they said, well, we got to see this for ourselves. So they go out and they hear. And then they said, we don't hear believe because of you. We believe now because we see it and it's real. One word of knowledge. So we need to be open to be used in the word of knowledge. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. Jesus had a word of knowledge about the woman with the long-standing hemorrhage when she touched him. There were a lot of people touching him. And she had a hemorrhage. She wasn't supposed to be out there in the street. She, she was breaking the law because she was bleeding. But she had spent all her money on doctors. She spent all her money on me. And I didn't do anything for her. And, so, yeah, and, she, and she, she, she went... She went she said, I heard this, Jesus, he, he heals. And so she said, if only I could just touch the hem of his garment. So she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment, and he senses that, God, that something has happened. Power. And the disciples said, who, you mean who touched you? There are like 50 people around here trying to press in on you. How do you know? No, somebody touched me, a word of knowledge. And then he looked at the woman, and <laughs> 
And she said, well, it's me. And she thought, okay, I'm in trouble now. I was hemorrhaging. He said, no, you're normal. You're not breaking the law anymore because your hemorrhage is healed. Your faith has made you whole. So again, word of, word of knowledge. John 21, 5 to 6. I love this one. <laughs> when you're out fishing, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what to do. Let him give you a word of knowledge so you can catch fish. <laughs> Jesus said, cast the net on the right side and you will catch fish. Well, we haven't caught fish all day long. And we've been out here and nothing's been going on. And yet you're telling us to catch, to throw the net over here and we're going to get a catch. Throw the net over there and you'll get a catch. You think they would have learned after all this time, but they still haven't figured it out yet. So they throw the net on the other side and lo and behold, a big catch comes in. And Peter's I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm a sinner. I, what am I going to ever learn? <laughs> but he learns because he has such confidence in the Holy Spirit that when he's arrested and put in jail, he's not anxious. He's not up worrying about what's going to happen to him. He's fast asleep. And even when the Holy Spirit or the angel comes in to set him free, he thinks he's having a dream still <laughs> because he's resting in God. And that's what we need to do is, is rest in God because he's going to bring his gifts to us and whatever is needed in our lives and we start believing it, he will bring to us so that we can walk with him and be strong in him in the strength of his might. So that it's not by power nor by strength but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. So cast your net on the other side and they catch the fish. That's a word of knowledge. Acts chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 Peter had a word of knowledge about Ananias and his wife lying about their offering. <laughs> Remember that story? I hope that never happens around here. <laughs> but, but he sells his piece of land, brings it and says, we gave you all of it. Word of knowledge said, no, you didn't. And why are you lying to me? Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? God knows everything. God took him at that particular point in time. I don't know why he did it, but he did it, okay? Because he was trying to take credit for God or giving something to God when he, when he wasn't. And then his wife comes, does the same thing. And he said, see your husband over there? <laughs> You're going to be carried out just like him. It's a word of knowledge. I hope I never used it in that kind of word of knowledge, but, but that, that was a word of knowledge, and that was God using Peter for that. And then in 2 Samuel, I'm going to use an Old Testament here too. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Nathan and David. Remember the story of David and, David, David and Bathsheba? Okay, and David figured he's covered it all up, right? Nothing's, you know, and Nathan, again, talking about how the Lord moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the prophets and those that... God anointed, but now we're all, it's for all of us. Joel said, it's for, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all mankind. So it's for all of us. But at that time, it was the prophet. And, and, and he tells him a story, and he tells him about somebody who robbed a lamb from him and did all kinds of bad. He says, that man's worthy of death. And Nathan says, you're the man. That's a word of knowledge. And that came by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you're the man. That was not prophecy. And I think that sometimes we need to understand that that was not prophecy, okay? That was the word of knowledge being, um, being revealed. Okay, the next gift, talking about revelation gifts, discerning of spirits. 
I define that as God-given perception and understanding of a spirit or the spirit of a man. I think both, because it's important that God wants to, you know, you can't know the spirit of man unless the, the Lord reveals it to you. And we, especially as leaders, we need that gift flowing in our midst because we need to know if somebody's a, a deceiver, if someone is truly what they say they are, or where their hearts are. And we also need to discern spirits moving in our midst. In, um, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, in, in the latter days, some will be drawn away to pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And so we need the discernment, the gift of discerning of spirits to know about these things and that we can deal with it to protect the church. Again, it's for the glorification and for the edifying of the body of the church. This gift helps us determine whether there is a deceitful spirit present or not or if there is a demon present or not. And so again, it's important for us to be moving. I would, you know, in a, in past, you know, pastors need this gift. They need the gift of, of wisdom and the gift of discerning of spirits to function well in their churches. Because you need to know who to put in leadership, who not to. And, and it goes by all leaders, elders and everybody. Just You need to have discernment. The gift of discernment needs to be flowing so that you know who the Lord wants and who he doesn't want. Where their heart is and where their heart is not. Some examples of this, okay? Matthew chapter 26, verses 23 to 25, and then moving on to 47 to 50. Jesus discerned the spirit of Judas. See, Judas allowed the enemy, allowed Satan to, to come into his life. But Jesus also discerned his spirit and, you know, of who he was. And even though he chose him as a disciple because he did it because he needed to fulfill all things. And so, something, you know, I don't understand. If he knows all things, why did he choose Judas, who he knew was going to betray him, and bring him, bring him in front of the, the, the Sanhedrin and, and then eventually be crucified on the cross? Why? Because there was a purpose in it. And he, had, he discerned where his heart was, and he knew it was going to be Judas. But at the same time, he still chose him because he was obedient to the Father. He chose who the Father told, told him to choose. Okay, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 to 23. Jesus used this gift when Peter rebuked him. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, let me build the tabernacle. Oh, it's the kingdom of God is here. No, 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 no. You're not hearing from me. You're hearing from the enemy. Get thee behind me. That requires discernment because sometimes things perceived to be good. It was a good thing that he was trying to do, but it wasn't God. It was the enemy trying to break what God was trying to do. And so that's why we need that gift moving in our midst. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. Jesus rebuked James and John and said, you did not know what kind of spirit you are of. You think about it, well, these are, these are the disciples. How can he say that? Because they were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about who they were. And Jesus was discerning what was in them. And again, he was working to try to change their lives. You see, you know, John became a servant of love. 
He and his brother were like, who's first in the kingdom? They wanted to be, you know, it's like, I want to, I want to, the mom says, let one sit on one side, one down the other. Let's, let's, and Jesus said, no, 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 that's not for me to choose. And then he starts talking about if you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to be the servant of all. You got to be last, not first. You know, and what does, what does God do? He, he puts the, the gifting of love in John's life and in John's heart. And all he does is allow the love of God to flow. In his ministry, it's the love of God. He's the love minister. He's the love minister. And so again, the idea of being is, is that we need to have discernment. And it's not to tear somebody down necessarily, but it's to build them up, to help them see where they are so that God can help them. And that, that's sometimes very important for that gift to be moving in our midst. In Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18, and this is... When he went to jail, <laughs> here he is, Paul discerned the spirit of a woman who was following him, and, and, and she was not saying bad things. She was saying, these men are men of God. These men are men of God. These men are men of God. <laughs> She's interrupting the ministry that God wants me to do. So he rebukes that spirit out of her. He had discernment that it was a spirit, a religious spirit, probably. And so he cast that thing out of her, well, the, the guy who, who made money off of her got mad, had a big uproar, ends up in jail. Sometimes we move in the gifts, the outcome isn't always what we expect. I mean, things happen, but the, you know, when you're moving in that gift, things may, people may not like what's going on, but you gotta be faithful to do what God has called you to do. And when you're faithful to move in that gift, you let God do his thing and you trust him every step along the way. I will say this over and over again. You need to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not worry about what you're doing, but just worry about the thing is that I want to hear what God is saying. If anything else, we need to, that's why it's so important when I say moving in the gifts, you have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Your motivation needs to be, I love God's people, but I love God more. And I want to do what God wants me to do, and I'll be faithful to it to the end, no matter what. And Paul did that, and it might have been the end, but it wasn't. And so again, we need to, to, to see those principles. I'm going to go for a few more gifts because we're going to uh, extend this into tomorrow because I've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so we'll just keep going here. Okay. The next group of gifts I'm going to talk about are the supernatural power gifts. Now, we all like these gifts. I don't know how many times people say to me, oh, if only I could move in miracles. Oh, if only I could move in, in healing. I don't hear a lot of people say, if only I could move in just to give the faith. You don't ever see it. You know, you're not participating in anything that you can actually put your hands on or that you can see with your eyes. Yet without this gift, the other things may not happen because they all work together. I want you to understand this. I know this because I'm, I work in medicine. The human body is, a, is, you know, for lack of a better terminology, it's a team. This hand needs this hand. This foot 
it's hard for me to walk on just one foot. I have to hop, but I could fall over very easily. It's, you know, like I had a stroke some years back and I have numbness in this hand. And, and sometimes when I'm trying to type on the keyboard, you don't think about it when you're doing it, but when I'm typing on the keyboard, these fingers go places I don't want it to go. You know, it's because I don't feel it very well. And I say, Lord, why don't you heal me of this stuff? Just keep doing what you're doing. It's okay. <laughs> you know, but the idea being is to understand that, you know, that every part is important. Every part is important. So every aspect of the gifts is important. Every one of them. And you are important to God, and each one of you needs to be willing to move in the gifts, and we all need each other. Only Jesus moves in all the gifts, all the time. I'm not Jesus. But I want to be sensitive and move in the gifts that he wants, and I want to allow the gifts to flow through others as well, too. So that we work together as a team, because that's what the body of Christ is all about. So these gifts tap into the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 to 5, Paul says, his ministry came forth by the demonstration of the spirit and power. See, Paul said, I didn't come for you with wisdom of men. He didn't say say the wisdom of God. He said the wisdom of men. I did not come to you with fancy speeches. I didn't come for you with gimmicks. Church today in America, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but there are a lot of gimmicks in churches. And I'm not against some of the gimmicks. I think it's nice to have a cup of coffee. I think it's nice to have fellowship afterwards. I think it's nice to have beautiful lights and all the electronics and everything else like that. But if you're using that to draw people in, it usually doesn't work. What draws people in and gets them to stay is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't have gimmicks. He just had a tent, which he built <laughs> and lived in. He had nothing. He said, I didn't ask you for anything. And he went forth, and all he did was proclaim the gospel. And then when he proclaimed it, he then explained it. And he said, whenever I proclaim, the signs and wonders followed to confirm it. I want to see confirmation of the word of God in the church today. I want to see confirmation of the word of God in this church today. Come on, there should be a shout for this. We need to see miracles and signs and wonders and all kinds of, we need to see all the gifts flowing and to see people healed, delivered and set free. And that's what it's all about. And not only outsiders, but us. We need to be healed and set free. Many of us are bound up. And it's time for us to let go of all that and just let the Spirit of God flow through us and see the glory of God. And to say, it's not just words that we speak, but it's words and the action and power of those words that follow behind, which is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I get excited when I talk about this. It's very precious to my heart. The demonstration of, uh, 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 by spirit, the spirit and power, this is so that your faith does not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. People get saved, delivered, fulfill their purposes, not because of us, but because of the power of God. And we as leaders, we as the people of God, are just vessels. 
And God will use whatever vessels are willing to say, here I am, use me. Cleanse me, mold me, shape me. What was that song we used to sing years ago? Mold me, break me, mold me, shape me, whatever. The key is, use me. Use me. We need to lift up our hands and say, use me. I want to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These gifts are faith, healing, and miracles. Faith, healing, and miracles. I'm going to talk about faith first. You just let me know when it's time, and then we'll continue tomorrow. All of us have faith when we receive Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For the mouth man confesses, and with the heart man believes, resulting in salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that's the first step. All of us have that faith. You needed faith to come to Jesus Christ. But this is a special faith that God gives supernatural. You're praying for somebody, you're in a situation, or even not, even suddenly, you know, um, the Lord just wakes you up and you start having faith for something that God wants to do in the church or God wants to do in somebody's family. You don't know why, but you have faith for it, and so you start praying. This is a supernatural faith that comes from the Holy Spirit for a specific situation. You don't plan on it. It doesn't come because you say, I want it. It just comes. You're praying for someone, and God is, you know, they're sick, and suddenly God gives you supernatural faith. I know they're going to get healed. You don't know why suddenly you feel that way, but just know it's going to happen. Now, someone else may be praying for them for healing because they know that God is going to heal them. But the Lord has told them to pray for the healing. The Lord has told you to just step out in that faith. It's active and creative faith. It's active and creative. Several years ago, I was teaching on faith and Somebody, you know, some elderly couple was in our church. They'd been part of the church for a long time. Things had changed, whatever. I don't need to get into that now, but, but things had changed. And I was teaching on faith, and I talked about creative faith. And they said, no. They got mad at me. They said, they pulled me aside afterwards and said, there's only one faith, faith in Jesus Christ. I said, well, yeah, that, that's right. There's faith in Jesus Christ. But there's also faith for other things, too. God said, if you can say this, you know, have faith as a mountain, you can move this mountain. They said, there's no creative faith. That's just one faith. Jesus, it was all talking about Jesus. And they got mad and, and I think they left the church because of it. I, said, I told the pastor, I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to scare them off. And uh, he said, oh, it's okay. You know, if they don't believe in creative faith, there's nothing I can do about that because God is creative God. He makes things out of things that are not. He does that by by performing miracles. Creative faith is walking on water. So anyway, it's active and creative. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Number one, what, what is that saying? It's saying that you are sure you have something that you are hoping for 
but you don't have it yet. You are sure that you have something that you are hoping for, but you don't have it yet. You live like you have it even though you can't see it with your own natural eyes. That's faith. And that's the kind of faith that all of us need to have. But then God speaks to you about a specific thing. And suddenly, you have supernatural faith. And you, you can't see it with your natural eye. Like, for example, healing. You can't see it with your natural eye, but you, but you know it's going to be there. You're convinced that you've got it. You're sure that you've got it. You can't see it with a natural eye, but you live like you've already got it. And that's, the, that's what faith really is, is living. We have faith that we're going to be with God for all eternity, right? Do you see it? In the natural, do you see it? No. Can you touch it? Can you feel it? No. Well, it's the same thing, okay? So again, the idea of being here is that God is working in faith, and so when God speaks that supernatural faith to you, you know that you've got something that you can't see, but you just know it, and you can't help it, but you just know it's already there. Romans chapter 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. You need to hear the rhema word of God. When God speaks a rhema word to you and says, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Guess what? It happens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just, you know, you think about that. It's, it, that's the rhema word of God. That's the now word of God. And you must be in tune with God. You must be in tune with the Holy Spirit to hear his voice so that that faith can well up. So if, you're, if God is moving you and moving in supernatural faith in you, you need to be someone who's in tune with the Lord, who hears the voice of God. And when God speaks to you and says, this is going to happen, even though you don't see it, it's going to happen. You know about this church. This church is here right now at this building because of faith. Because of a word of knowledge and faith and trusting in God and seeing it come to pass. So again, it's important for us to understand that with the gift of faith, there is no doubt but pure confidence. I will say that again. By the gift, with the gift of faith, there is no doubt but pure confidence. And let's go through the examples and then we'll close out tonight. Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 32. Peter had faith and walked on the water. See, they saw, first they saw Jesus walk on the water and they were all petrified. Oh, 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 oh it's a ghost. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, 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 it's me, it's me. <laughs> and they saw him, when Peter saw that it was him, Peter said, oh, if it's you, Lord, call me to come and I'll walk on the water too. Hallelujah, faith, talk about faith. People, you know, and people talk about, oh, Peter didn't have faith because he started sinking. Well, let me tell you something. I want to see you get up and walk on the water. And even, it wasn't like his faith was failing him completely because he was looking in the left and to the right and saw the storm, which we do many times. But he didn't just, you know, it said he began to sink. Have you ever seen somebody begin to sink in water? 
You jump in the pool and see what happens. You don't begin to sink, you sink. If you're walking on water, you're under the water. And so it's basically, and Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. What he was saying to him is not that you don't have faith, but that you have a little bit of faith. And by the time I'm finished with you, you're going to have a whole lot of faith. And so Peter had supernatural faith at that particular moment. What did he do? He heard the word of God. Jesus spoke to him and said, come. Now, if he got out in the water and Jesus didn't say come, he would have sunk. But he said, if it's you, tell me to come. And so he heard the rainbow word from God, come. And so he got up out of the water by faith and came. And see, you see how the miracle worked with faith. Faith created or helped create that miracle. That was creative faith. John chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Jesus had faith for the feeding of the 5,000. And then the miracle happened. He prayed. He thanked God. He believed. And the 5,000 were fed with just a few loaves of bread. Think about that. <laughs> How would you like to, to be out there on? There's five, well, there's probably 10 because 5,000 people, you know, plus another five because they didn't count the women. And so, you know, you have 10,000 people out there and you got five loaves of bread and they're like, okay, how are we going to feed all these people in the town? I don't think has enough pe- you know, food for all these people. And Jesus said, just, I'm go-. he blessed it and said, just give it out to everybody. And then pick up the crumbs, pick up the leftovers. There'll be enough for us to eat with the leftovers. Now you have to have faith. They obeyed him. They obeyed the word. And Jesus multiplied the food. Faith created the miracle. Can you see that? Okay, Acts chapter 27, 14 to 44. Paul had faith that all in the ship, remember now Paul was heading off to Rome and Paul kept saying, now you guys, you need to pull into the dock here because there's gonna be storms and you're gonna crash. No, we gotta get going. How many times do we do that? Don't mess with my plans, God. I have my plans, and God is saying, no, stop your plans and wait here. No, 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 I'm going to do my plans. And so they kept doing what they wanted to do, and finally there was a storm, and Peter said, Peter said, just let it go into the rocks, and not one will be saved. Paul had faith for that. God spoke the word to him. God said to him, he said, God said that nobody will perish. God spoke the word to him, he believed and had supernatural faith for the situation and nobody perished. That's the kind of faith that God wants to move in the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to bestow gifts to individuals here in this church to have that gift of supernatural faith that when God speaks a word to you, you know it's gonna happen. And even if you, you, you don't know what it's all about, maybe you need to tell the pastor, or the elders, or the leaders, the Lord gave me this supernatural, fa- I don't know why, but I've got this. Share with them, they need to know. If it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And if it's not, well, you stepped out in faith. That's okay. Amen. It's time for us to stop being afraid about making mistakes. I hate making mistakes. In medicine, you're not allowed to make mistakes. And so I equate it all to the same thing with the Lord. You can't make mistakes, but... You know, it says in the scriptures, 
They don't stone the prophets anymore. I might get kicked out, but... <laughs> but the idea of being here is that we need to step out. Maybe just take that step of faith for faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's go through a, a, a couple of more here, and then we'll be done. Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 to 22. We know this. Is, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it would be moved. Now, it doesn't mean you go around and move Mount Everest, unless God tells you to. That's the idea, is you have to be in tune with the Spirit, and you have to be like Jesus. I only do what I see my Father doing. And if the Spirit of God speaks to you and says Mount Everest needs to be moved, it's going to be moved no matter how big it is. Faith works with the other two power gifts, and you need to understand that. They work together. While, while someone may be praying for someone to raise the dead, and so they're laying hands on them, and God is going to raise the dead, someone else is having faith to believe it's going to happen. Because we don't need to be doing this stuff alone. We need to be working together as teams. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5, verses 35 to 43. Faith is needed for miracles and healing to take place. You know, I'll give you the example is that Jesus, um, what does here, he explains this by his actions. Okay? Um, we know the story of, of, of the person that was sick. Um, I think it was Tabitha, whatever, and it was, it was you know, one of the Pharisees or leaders, whatever, their daughter was very sick and dying. And there were many people who said, oh, she's dead, she's, she's gone, don't, you know, and Jesus like, oh, no, she's not, she's not dead, oh, she's dead, she's dead. There will be a lot of doubters around, a lot of doubters around. And so Jesus takes with him um, the parents and, and, and Peter, James, and John, he didn't take with him people who didn't have faith. But he took with him people who did have faith. And he went into the place, and everybody was weeping and mourning, and she's dead, and blah, 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 going on. And Jesus said, no, she's not. And they said, you don't know what you're talking about. And he only takes the parents and Peter, James, and John with him because he wanted their faith to increase. And what does he do? He goes into the room, and he says, rise. And she arises. Because he brought people of faith with him. And we need to surround ourselves with people of faith. Doubters, put them off to the wayside. Don't reject them because they need to see so that they can start having faith. Because I'm sure when they saw that girl healed, <laughs> their faith welled up a lot. But you need to start with people who have faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, that's what I have for today. We'll go through healing and miracles and then all the other three gifts tomorrow. We'll start with those. But I want us to, um, I'll end with, with faith, but I want you guys to realize and to start thinking, he wants to use you. 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 He wants to use all of us. 
We just need to say, Lord, here I am, just like Isaiah. <laughs> Who will go? Send me, Lord. And all of us need to be raising our hands and saying, Lord, I want to be used of you. I don't care what gift. It doesn't have to be the fancy gifts. I just want to be used of you. And when you do that, God will use you. And not only will he bless your church, but the gifts are not just for this building. The gifts are not just for believers. Jesus performed miracles for the non-believers. And I've seen it in India. When we go to India, and I've seen people and I've heard testimonies of people that God did a miracle in my life and then I received Jesus Christ. And so I think you need to start saying that your words need to go out into the street, your faith needs to go out into the street, the gifts need to go out in the street and people need to hear it and they'll receive Jesus Christ and they'll be delivered and set free. So I want you to start thinking about that. I want you to sort of put, take yourself out of the comfort zone and put yourself into the uncomfortable zone of stepping out in faith and being faithful and doing what God has called you to do in the supermarket, in the mall. And maybe you can't do it as much now because of COVID, but you need to do it in your families. Don't be worried about what they'll say to you. What's the difference? If they don't like your Christianity, they're not going to like it anyway. You might as well give them something in the process of it. So all I can tell you is, and I want to encourage you tonight, and I want to, I want to let us stand and we'll pray, and then I'll hand things over to Harvey. I pray that as you hear how these gifts are used and what these gifts are, and how God wants to use you in these gifts. My prayer for you tonight is that you begin to think tonight, when you go home, think about it. Pray in the Spirit. Pray, as, as Eliezer said, pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up in the most holy God. Sing with your tongues, sing with your, your spirit, and sing with your mind. Sing in tongues, sing with your mind. Let God build you up and faith will well up inside of you. You will become strong. You know, um, 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 there was a, a brother, um, what was his name, uh, the boxer? Costadier. He. I was at a conference with him one time, and, and we were doing, he, was doing, he used to have like 55,000 points for everything. <laughs> and he was doing spiritual immunity, and it was like 120 points of spiritual immunity. And he was just talking. He says, you know, everybody's all quiet sitting here. I said, we need, he said, we need a Holy Spirit meter in the church. And when people come to the door, we have the people filled, you know, who are freshly filled, overflowing with the Spirit. They're standing at the door, and they, they have the meter. It says, oh, it's down. You go and you pray for them. They, you pray in the Spirit. They're all built up, and then they come in. I said, that's a great idea. I don't know how to do that, though. I always think about that, and I've said, yeah, that's what we need. Because we need to come here celebrate, expecting, moving God to move. We need to come here and be charged up for the week and not go out and say, okay, do your old, old routine. No, we need to be encouraged and built up and go out and do what God has called us to do. Not, not, not hearers of the word, but doers of the word, as James says. 
And so I'm gonna pray for you right now that you would get a fresh revelation to be used of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to start moving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I thank you right now for each one here, Lord, that you would touch them, move upon them, speak to them this night, Lord. Give them a hunger and desire to be filled with you, Lord, to be filled with you, Holy Spirit, that they would speak in tongues, that they would worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And Lord, that you would fill them up to overflowing, that you would strengthen them, you would give a hunger and desire to step forth and go out into the world to proclaim the gospel and let the power of the Holy Spirit follow behind, that signs and wonders would follow wherever they go, wherever they work, wherever they shop, whatever they do. I pray for that right now, Lord. Move, Holy Spirit, as only you can, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I hope, uh, I hope you had a faith lift tonight. You know, the Bible says it's going to present us without spot or wrinkle, so that's where you get a faith lift. God bless you. Thank you, Eliezer and Alan. Thank you all for joining us. What a wonderful crowd. Please come back tomorrow. It's going to just get better. Come back expectantly. 9.30 a.m. Uh, come a little early. Like, what, 10 minutes early so we can, we can start promptly. I'm so thrilled. Thank you all for joining us tonight. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online as well. And let's come believing for God to move tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.